0: Welcome to the latest podcast from Greyfriars Church in Reading. Our vision is to see Reading transformed by the love and power of Jesus. You can find out more on our website, greyfriars.org.uk. Enjoy. Hello. Is honesty the best policy? That was a lot more controversial of a question than I thought it was going to be. Just a yes, no. Honestly, the best policy. Brilliant. That means I feel uh, adequate um, to be honest with you, uh, as soon as you value honesty. When I saw that I was preaching on Thanksgiving, um, I kind of let out a small groan. I was like, I don't think I'll be able to say anything interesting. Anything that, like, no one has already heard before a thousand times. We've, we've all grown up uh, making sure we say our please and thank yous. We all know that we should say thank you once someone gives us a present. I was one of those people that my parents forced me to read the card before I was allowed to open the present as a way of showing my gratitude. We can become so numb to the basic things in life, like thanksgiving, giving thanks, But the psalm today brings us back to the foundational truth, that about being thankful It is a powerful thing, because gratitude underpins the very nature of all Christians. Let's just bow our heads as we come to our sermon. Father God, would you speak to us clearly today? We thank you that you have brought us here, that you are in control, and that through you all things are possible. Amen. So please keep your Bibles open. Uh, there are three key verses that I'll be uh, preaching from. We start with verse two. You are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. Now, a li- a living a life of thanksgiving helps eliminate the sin of inflated individualism. I will. What do I mean by the sin of inflated individualism? What I mean is that, um, in a sense, we all are drawn into an individualistic lifestyle and a mindset that I am the centre of the world, not me personally, as in one, oneself, but that is in direct opposition to the gospel. See, the gospel preaches that a life fulfilled is a life of relationship, a life of dependency, a life of sacrifice, and though you might be thinking right now, absolutely, I, I believe in all those different things, It might, when it comes to it, when it comes to all the good things of life, how often do we attribute the success and good things in our lives to our own efforts? How much do we desire to better our lives by just pulling up our socks and doing more? The world bombards us with everything and anything to make you believe that the success of life is purely down to how much effort you put in. Many self-help accounts on TikTok or Instagram will be trying to pull your attention to uh, making a side hustle or maximizing your potential all for the sake of living life on a beach in Bali or constantly being in the gym uh, to try and establish the ever-elusive perfect body. This idea of life, thank you. This this idea of life, this mentality, though it may seem harmless or even good at times, erodes the truth that we as Christians live under God. That God is above all things and he is in control. He is the source by which we have good things. And apart from him, we have nothing. Now, I'm not trying to say that we ought not to do well Uh, or that we shouldn't be putting effort into things. Those things are, that that is good still. But if our goal is to uh, pat ourselves on the back at the end of the day and say, how good am I? Then we've got it wrong. But we can so easily fall into this trap. I'm forever in awe of how blind I can be to the goodness of God and how the life that he has given me is full of faithfulness and blessings. I don't know about you, but I, what you count as blessings, but I have a roof over my head. I have food in my fridge. I have a bed to sleep on. I have money that comes into my account every month. I have family and I have friends and I have more things than I can possibly count sometimes. On the daily, though, I will complain about the things that I don't have, those things that are so evasive, so elusive to me, that all the other, other people in my, in my surroundings seem to have, but I don't. Those things that will make my life better or easier or less frustrating. My sinful nature draws me into that trap by making me forget God and only focus on me. Even now as I'm talking to you, I'm falling into that same trap. We can count our blessings by comparing to other people around us. We try to work out how good our lives are by creating a standard based on the people around us. See, I feel blessed because I have a 2007 Honda Jazz car that's done 144,000 miles and has passed his MOT by the skin of its teeth every year since I got it. And yet, if I was surrounded by people that were driving Ferraris and Lamborghinis and really fast cars, would I not start to be jealous? or think less of my blessing? Or better still, would I not feel cursed by God, that that clearly he doesn't care for me as much as he cares for other people? Are we not programmed to compare ourselves to other people and think, God, why don't you love me? Why do you not care? See, we may consider our good things as blessings, and for that we must absolutely be thankful. But what if I didn't have a roof on my head, or a bed to sleep on, or food to eat? Should I be thankful? Should I still feel blessed? Now, there are plenty of times in the Bible where there are people that are, don't exactly have the things that they need or wanted, and yet still have faith, and still are grateful to God. I think of the story of Daniel, where he and his friends are about to be thrown into a furnace, for not worshipping the same gods as their captors. Not ideal conditions, and certainly not your typical description of a blessing. But their response to that, that impending doom was this. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God that we serve is able to deliver us from it, then he will deliver us from it from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you've set up for us. Even if they weren't thankful for their, that God was with them in that moment, they certainly were afterwards when they were, in fact, saved from this furnace. See, the distinction between us as believers of Christ and everyone else is that we have been blessed regardless of our, our material status, we are blessed so much more than we can ever truly understand, even if we were out on the street and hungry. God has blessed us with eternal life, a relationship with our Creator, God Almighty, which can never be severed whilst we still have faith in Him. See, our material wealth, our status, our relationships, our everything is always secondary to the truth that whatever we experience, here on earth, pales in comparison to the joy and freedom we have and what is to come. God is our father. He has gifted. uh, God is our father as he has gifted to us what we could not do for ourselves. He brought us salvation through his own sacrifice. He paid the cost. The cost that he even spared Abraham of when he commanded Abraham to take Isaac and sacrifice him. The cost that could not be counted, no amount of sacrificial bulls or birds or grain could ever repay for this sin. Our lives have been bought and paid for, released and blessed without us lifting a finger. All through the life, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So before we look to the physical blessings of the earth, we must understand that we already have received the ultimate blessing which is open to all that have faith in him. That is worthy of our praise and is worthy of our thanks. God our Father loves to bless his children. And when it says he lavishes his blessing upon us, we must not go, but where is my successful side hustle? When will I be able to afford a house? God has already blessed us, regardless of those things. Verse five. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secured. When we make God our everything, we can trust in his faithfulness to us that he will take care of us, that he will secure our lot and provide for us. This means that we should, not, we should be able to see God move in our midst where we are. See, in my few months of being here in Reading, I've started to realize that a lot of young people come to Reading purely for work which is great and it's great to have work it's great to contribute but there are a few people that have said uh, said but there are a few people that have said many reasons for staying other than work and I don't know if that's what the position you're in tonight but for many people this town is just a means to an end once the job moves on, I'll move on. And there are lots of places like that, not just here in England, but the world. We can forever think the only reason I'm here is to work for, for better house prices or for whatever reason it might be. And yet God says that he puts us in places for a reason. He is in charge and he is in control. And he has a plan for you here. We can so often overlook God's work in our lives because we can be so concerned that what we think is the ultimate importance. Our goals in life rarely align with God's by chance. So when this happens, our minds ought to be reconfigured, realigned with God's purposes. For inasmuch as we think we have plans, we must ask ourselves, what part am I playing in building God's kingdom here? Consider the question What has God brought you here for? What has God called you here to do in Reading? And when we realize what God is doing in our midst, our eyes can clearly see what it is to be thankful for. And finally, verse 11. You make it known to me the path of life. You fill me with your joy and your presence, with eternal pleasures at at your right hand irrespective of what worldly goods we have, all all things we are to give thanks for, the Father gives us something that we cannot give ourselves. We cannot earn our salvation or enter eternal life by doing more. Our salvation is a gift. It is is who we are that changes uh, with life with God, not how much we do. Therefore, there is only one foundation, of blessings that uh, blessings are built on and that is Jesus Christ with that sure foundation there is no, no good thing and there is no blessing without that foundation sorry because all will fade and David understood that as well as we do that life without God has no meaning and it will end but life with God has a purpose and it has blessing and and it will live on ultimately forever Colossians 3 says this, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life now is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Living a life of thanks eliminates the sin of individualism and individual gain it pulls us back into the right relationship with God and offers us a glimpse of the life found in Eden constant relationship with the father the creator and creation relationship restored living in love and blessing for one another the call on our lives from this psalm is to be thankful in everything And I don't know about you if this is easy or if this is really difficult. It might be simple, as simple as just acknowledging something that you already knew to be true. It could be painful, a task seemingly too big to take on in one go, or that you've tried and feel like you failed already. I'm here to encourage you tonight that you can take that step of acknowledging God's goodness and faithfulness, even in the most trying of circumstances. See, God's blessings has no limits, has no bounds. We have a father who tells us to ask him and, he sh- and we shall receive from him. Who looks down on his children and says, I am well pleased. We can pray with confidence that our circumstances might change. And we should be able to do this because he can do immeasurably more than anything we can imagine. God is a God who heals, who restores. So when we live a life of gratitude, we are living in a life of abundance because we recognize that God is in control and that it is is he that is establishing his kingdom through us. Am I right? Thank you. Amen. I'm going to invite the band up and we're going to dwell on what it means to be thankful to God in all things not just the things that we can see, but ultimately the things that are going on in our hearts. The point of my sermon is not that we should be getting all the material things in this world, but rather that we should forever be thankful for the salvation we find in Jesus Christ. And it is only from that place that we can truly understand what it is to be thankful Let us bow our heads and I'm going to read another passage from Colossians. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you were called to peace. Be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, through the psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father through him.